Praise be the Lord. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you've joined us today. I was talking uh, just to Brad a few minutes ago. I've been uh, getting some messages from him. And, and uh, Brad was telling me that we have lots of participation today in our groups. And I'm so very thankful. We even have some guests that have joined us. And, joined us. and I, I want you to know that if you are uh, a guest today and, and, and you're looking to connect, maybe you're new to uh, our body through this period of time, uh, I, I just want to encourage you to, um, to connect. There's a, a way you could do that today, a way you could respond. And, and as you fill out, you could fill out that form online and, and we could help you connect with a group. And I'm so proud of our senior adults as they have connected and, and, and as they have learned some new, uh, new skills uh, when it comes to Zoom and all these things. And, and I'll tell you, we've got new language that we're learning. But I'm grateful to see our church respond in this moment, both in our groups and, and with our students and in every area. I'm so grateful for our Next Gen team. They have put together some incredible um, uh, resources on on the website. There's a new website that fbcowasso.org forward slash everywhere. And, and I just wanted you to know about that. And, and uh, also, uh, if you haven't had a chance to, to hear my message on Wednesday night, I gave a short uh, moment of, uh, to our church members and then sent an email out this week. So I hope that you check that out. But, uh, but I'm thankful that you've joined us today. And we're in John chapter 18. And, and, and you know, uh, I got up this morning, and I couldn't help but, but think about um, just how different this day is. Uh, this day is going to turn out, it's, it's turning out way different than I expected. And my family, like, like all of yours, are adjusting the differences. Like, for example, we, uh, uh, we got up uh, this week, we had to go move two of our college kids out of college uh, out of their dorms, and it was an unexpected shift in our lives. Uh, you know, we're, we're all making adjustments, and, and uh, you know, I've thought about this day. I mean, this is the day that right after this message, we were going to uh, strike this entire worship center that I'm sitting in, and we were going to, we are going to uh, set it up like the Passion Week, and, and this is something that I am uh, not going to do today. We're not going to stack these chairs, and, and this entire worship center is not going to look like uh, uh, the, the, the Passion Week experience, so it's turned out differently than we expected, but just like we sang just a second ago, I want us to remember that the Lord is at work. God is at work in our lives. He's at work uh, uh, in our world. And, and you know, as I've prayed this week about what the Lord is doing and seeking his face, I, I fully believe that God is going to restore us. Now, I don't anticipate him restoring us to what we were, but, but I think God is going to use this time to mold us into his image. And, and, and God is at work in our lives. He's a way maker, we've sung today. And, and the truth is, he, he's, he's at work powerfully in our lives in, in these unexpected circumstances. Today, I was just really blessed as I was um, coming to the church this morning, and my, my future son-in-law calls me uh, and just said, hey, can I pray over you? And I just want to remind you that God sees you. And, and that's a perfect uh, message for me today. I needed that today because God sees us 
And, and I want us to not miss that. And, and when you think about it, uh, the presence of God changes everything. It changes our perspective. It, it changes our viewpoint. And, I, and I'm thankful. And I'm, I'm praying that we can lean in to the presence of God. And, um, and this morning, we've already read the text. But, uh, but I want you to open your Bibles to John 18. I want you to get something to write with because... Um, because God's going to speak to us today, and, and, and we need to listen to him. We need to turn our face to him. We need to be ready to respond to his voice, because he's at work. And I don't want to miss this, this moment that we have together as a body, though it's different than we expected. It's, it's, a, it's an important moment that we are still coming together. And, and in a in an empty room that I'm sitting in, but, but we have a packed church, and I don't want us to miss that. That's something that God continues to bring to my mind. But the Holy Spirit is moving us through his word, and the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. And so let's, let's turn our face to him. Can I just pray together and with me? Would you pray with me? And let's ask the Lord to move in our, in our lives today. Father, um, thank you that you are at work and even though this is a moment that we didn't expect, I thank you that you are moving in your church, in our lives. And Father, all over the world, you are at work. And so Father, speak to us today through your word. We love you. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as you, um, it's obvious that this COVID-19 thing has impacted our current situation in our world, but, but we've been looking at the week that changed the world because nothing changed history like the, the last week of Jesus' life, like the, the cross and the resurrection. Nothing was more significant in the history of the world than that moment. Truly, it was the focal point of human history. Yeah, we're going through a speed bump in history, but, but the reality is the, the the cross of Christ was the focal point. And I don't want us to miss that truth. What I want to do in the, and get a pen ready because I want us to do a flyby of the last week of Jesus' life and, and allow, allow me just to take a moment to just fly through that week as we end up in the garden uh, with Jesus and his disciples. And, it, and last week we started with the triumphal entry of, of Jesus into Jerusalem. And, and we looked at this incredible moment that, that that was a fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. And so much happened on that Monday as Jesus entered Jerusalem. Matthew 21 Mark 11 talks about this full day ahead of him that, that, uh, that on that Monday, Jesus probably left early in the morning, uh, maybe before Martha could have served him breakfast. And, and, and he, remember in that last week, he came upon that fig tree and, and, he, and he cursed it. He cursed that fig tree because he wanted some figs. And, and it didn't have any figs in that moment of the cursing of the fig tree. And then, then Jesus goes into the temple on that day in the last week of his life. And in and, and Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19 talks about that he, he went into the temple and he cleansed it because those, those men in the temple were, were selling forgiveness. And Jesus was, was furious at them. And he drove them out of the temple on this week. 
and he was angry with them and he, and he pushed them out of the temple and, he, and in that righteous anger, he looked at those Pharisees and says, you are missing the point of forgiveness. They were profiting from, from these selling of, of, the, of the sacrifices and it was just um, angered the Savior. Then, then th- this moment, this in this last week, it caused the, the religious authorities to challenge Jesus, challenge his authority. Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 20, they, they, the Sanhedrin are saying, who are you? What authority do you have? And, and then remember, Jesus gave those three parables. We looked at the parables last year, and, and, but he gave those three parables in this moment, the Matthew 21, the parable of the two sons. Matthew 21, the parable of the, of the wicked husbandman. Uh, the marriage feast in Matthew 22. And, and, and Jesus, those are parables of warnings. And, and you know, we got to remember that, that often Jesus warns us as an act of grace, as an act of mercy. And I look at this situation we're in, and, and oh, come on, this is a warning for us. This is a birth pain, the Bible says, that, 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 that Jesus is, is coming again. And, and all these warnings through history, I laughed this week uh, as I was talking. We were in a meeting with our staff talking about this virus. And then all of a sudden I get a, 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 a notification on my iPad that there's earthquakes. And you're like, of course there are. Surely there are. Because these are all warnings to us that there's a return of Christ. And, and, and then you have late Tuesday, late early Wednesday maybe, that, that Matthew 24 takes place. That's when Jesus uh, uh, articulated the end of his kingdom. Now, what's going to happen on the second coming, the time that he returns? And that's known as the Olivet Discourse and in Matthew 24. And, oh, you got to read that at some point. And, and then, then after that, there was that plot to kill Jesus that began to take place. Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22. Uh, these, this is this plot to, to kill Jesus began to take place. And, and likely on Wednesday evening, that, that was the moment that he was reminded his disciples that Passover was only a couple of days away and that he would be, be betrayed uh, on that Wednesday evening. And you know what's interesting about the disciples? Uh, when, when Jesus mentioned, I'm going to be betrayed, they all said, Lord, is it me? Am I the one that's going to betray you? Which, which they were longing, Lord, I don't want to betray you. I don't want to forsake you. And, and I, I, I tell you, I, that, that resonates in my heart because in a time of trial that we're in, in a time of uncertainty, oh, Lord, I don't want to doubt you. I don't want to uh, walk away from you. And this is, I, I love this heart of the disciples as they, as they were wrestling through this. Then things start to pick up as, as, as Mary uh, uh, of Bethany anoints Jesus' feet in Matthew 26, Mark 14, and, and, uh, and John 12. At the same time, the chief priest, Matthew 26, uh, 4 and 5, they are in this secret session trying to plot to, to, to capture Jesus. And, and then you see at the end of Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, that Judas, he conspires to betray Jesus. You know, Judas was offended by the rebuke of Jesus in, 
And, and he gave the Jewish authorities really what they were looking for, that opportunity to know where Jesus was and, and know his whereabouts so they could arrest Jesus away from the crowds because they were afraid of the crowds. I mean, think about, we looked last week at this triumphal entry. The crowds are saying, Jesus, save now. And now Judas opens the door. We know where he's going to be, where it's private and not, not crowded and you could get him. And that took place. And, and the gospel writers, they don't give us a definite record of what, what Jesus did on, the, on Wednesday or, or, or maybe Thursday. We don't really know exactly what he did. Likely, Jesus rested and, and <clears throat> spent time with his friends because and, and, he knew, I, I've, I've got, I know what's in front of me. The text that we read today, he knew what was going to take place. Then Thursday, uh, the preparation of the Last Supper took place, and, and the Passover meal took place. And, and, and Thursday evening after sunset, you, you remember the supper, right? You remember that moment that the disciples were gathered together? They were arguing with one another, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? In that moment, I bet our Savior was looking at his disciples going, fellas, come on. Who's going to be the greatest? Really? And, and then Jesus had that moment where he knelt down and he started washing the disciples' feet. That moment of that picture of humility, that picture of, of, look, I've called you as my disciples to serve, not to be served. And, and that amazing moment. Then, then you have John 13, 18, um, <clears throat> where Jesus revealed one of the 12 is going to betray him. Is it me, Lord? You know what that's a prophetic fulfillment of? I want you to write this verse down, Psalm, Psalm 41.9. In, in the Psalms, it's predicted, it, it's, it's promised that there's going to be someone that eats with Jesus, eats with the Savior that's a betrayer. And, and then Judas is told by Jesus, this moment in the Last Supper where Jesus dips the bread into the wine and he, and he, and he gives it to, Jesus, to, to Judas. And the Bible says that Satan entered into him and Jesus knew it. And he looks at Judas and says, whatever you have to do, do it quickly. And Judas leaves. And then we pick up at John 18, 1. Look at verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Now that garden, oh man, the garden. Uh, you remember the garden, right? The garden, point number one, please write this down. Point number one is this, is in the garden, Christ obediently embraced the cross. It was in the garden where that took place, that obedience to the, to the cross. And, 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 and you remember the garden, that's when Jesus goes in to, to, with his disciples, and he's like, I got to pray. We got to pray. And he takes Peter, James, and John, and the sons of thunder with Peter. I mean, I, I love the sons of thunder. John is my favorite disciple because he never left. He never, but never walked away from Jesus. He stayed with him the entire time. And you know, that's an example I want to follow in this moment of, Lord, whatever trouble is in front of us, 
Lord, we will walk with you the entire time. And I, I, John's inspiring to me. But remember Jesus in the garden, they, they go away. They go apart from the other disciples. And Jesus looks at Peter, James, and John and says, pray with me. I need you to pray with me. And, and you know, they get on their knees and they start to pray. And remember what happened with Peter, James, and John? They fell asleep. They were asleep. And Jesus walks up to them and says, guys, you're asleep. Wake up. Wake up. Don't, can't you just pray with me one hour? Oh, come on, wake up. I need you to pray with me. And he goes back to pray. And, and I think about Matthew 26. It, sa- it says about Jesus in that moment that his soul was exceedingly sorrowful. And, and that's an amazing statement that the, the soul of Jesus was, was sorrowful. And it's in the garden that, that Jesus, he submitted to the, to the plan of God. In the garden, Hebrews 12, 2 says that, that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy? What's the joy? What's that joy? Well, we know what it is. The joy is you and me. The joy of the cross came because Jesus says, he loves you, he loves me. Even though we are not lovely most of the time. And, and Jesus knew that, the, that God's plan was the only way forgiveness was possible. He knew that. He, he, he endured it for the joy and that joy of you and me. And Philippians 2.8 says this, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And in the garden, what you see, you see the humanity of Christ on display. The the, the humanity of Christ is is up front and personal. What's he doing? The, The Bible says in the garden, he's sweating drops of blood. He's in so much anguish. He's in so much hurt and fear and and, and struggle. He was in agony. He, He was exceedingly sorrowful. And you see the humanity of of Christ knowing that I'm going to go embrace the cross. Now, was the physical uh, uh, knowledge a worry and a fear and a a struggle? Yes, it was a struggle. You see the, the, the humanity of Christ, but you also see the deity of Christ on display. You see his willing obedience that, that, that he's in so much stress that he's, his blood vessels are breaking, that he's sweating drops of blood. You see so much agony of, 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 of Jesus embracing this moment. But, but when you think about the deity of Christ on display, you know what comes to my mind? The, 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 the spirit, like when you put on, if you were able to, if we were able to put on spiritual glasses, and look at what's going on spiritually in the garden. I think God inspired Paul later on to, to, to write these words in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Turn over there with me, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I want you to look at this. This is, this is what's going on in the garden. This is, to me, this is the agony in the garden, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that says this. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Now think about the garden and it's in this moment that God is saying, God in the flesh 
is going to become sin for you and for me because he loves you, he loves me. And, and, and look, folks, there's gonna be a day that we stand before the Lord. There's gonna be a day that our body dies. None of us will get out of this world alive. And when we stand before the Lord, we know that that's the, the next step to be, uh, to, 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 to after death comes judgment. And folks, when we stand before the Lord, you know what you're gonna see? You're gonna see holiness for the first time. You're gonna experience holiness. And I guarantee you all of us are gonna be like, whoa, whoa, that's holiness. And when that, in that moment, I believe that we're gonna, we're gonna get a taste, a grasp of the greatest miracle that's ever taken place. That holy God became sin so that you and I could experience eternal life. And folks, this is the moment that, that, that God is, is becoming sin. And, 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 and I, I just want you to see how magnificent the cross is. Don't you see how magnificent this is? Don't you see how, how, how that, that, that Jesus, he, he fully knew what was in front of him. Yet he went to the garden and he embraced the cross because it was the will of the Father to rescue us. And as Peter, James, and John were asleep, not embracing the gravity of the moment, look at verse 3. Verse 3, back in John 18, so Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, he knew all that would happen to him, he came forward and said to them, whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And when Jesus said this to him, when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Think about that. Oh my goodness. Here is Jesus. He's gone from sweating drops of blood, being betrayed by his closest friends, those that needed to be there from him, for him. Judas shows up. He, he embraces them. He steps in front of them. Who do you seek? Jesus the Nazarene, I am he. You know, this isn't the first time that Jesus, that God looked at humanity and said, I am. You know, he said that to Moses, I am. And Jesus in this moment, I am Jesus whom you seek. And they all fall to the ground. I, I can't wait to see the video in heaven of this. I want to see the video of that, of these these men with swords and, and clubs and they're ready for a fight. And a Roman soldier, they were the baddest men on the planet and they don't draw back. They draw forward. Jesus stepped up forward and said, I am he, and they fell back. What an amazing moment. Jesus showed grace. They got back up and for whatever reason, uh, verse 7, so he asked them again, who do you seek? And so it was, a, it was like Groundhog Day here for a second. It was like, well, I, uh, Jesus the, of, the, of Nazareth. Look at verse 8. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. 
And, and this was to fill, fulfill the word he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I lost not one. You know, what an amazing moment. And we know what happened in that moment. Remember, after this moment, Judas kisses him. Judas walked up to Jesus and kissed him. You know, point number two, what I want us to do today, let's pay attention to that devastating kiss from Judas. And think about Judas. Think about that he had lived with Jesus for three years. He listened to him teach. Yet what's interesting is he knew so little about him. He walked with him day by day. He handled the resources, the funds. And this traitor brought a company of temple guards armed with swords and clubs. And, and I think about the, the privileges that Judas just threw away. I, I think about the, the opportunities he wasted walking side by side with Jesus. In John 18.3, you see that word cohort or, 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 or band. And, and basically a cohort was a tenth of a legion, and that would be about 600 men. Now, I don't think, it's, I don't think G, Judas showed up with 600 men, but that's what he had available to him. And, and so he went with men who were ready for a fight, ready to chase Christ, ready for them to all run. And, 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 and you know what? It's interesting as you think about Judas and that kiss. No betrayal in all history is well is. is is known like the, like the betrayal of Judas. You know, he's, uh, it's, it's more famous. It, it's the most famous betrayal. It's the most disrespected betrayal in all history. You know, never in my life have I watched a mom as I as it had, had, a, had a baby, and I went to the hospital to see the baby. Oh, Chris, look at my beautiful little boy. We've named him Judas. Look. No. Um. That's not happened ever in my, my life. And, and you know, the truth is, it's, think about that kiss. Think about Judas. He, he didn't believe in the Savior he could see. And, and this is one of the realities of Judas. He, he didn't believe in the Savior that he could see. And, and I, I think about how, how he ignored the instruction that he was taught. I mean, he was taught by Jesus, and he just ignored it. And, and one of the most devastating things about, about Judas is he pretended to love the Lord. Oh, my goodness. When I think about the lessons of Judas, I, I don't want you to... Not to believe a Savior that, that the world sees. I mean, the world knows about Jesus. And so many, so many people in the world right now, they don't believe in a Savior that they can see. A lost world points to Jesus as, as one of the most influential people in history. But what's interesting is, is that list. I saw it at research. I mentioned it last week. It was a magazine of the top 100 most influential people in the world, and Jesus is listed. You know, there's not one person listed as the most impactful leaders in the world that claim to be God except Jesus. And yet he is, don't miss, don't miss a Savior 
that you can see. And I think about how, how Judas ignored the instructions that he was taught. And what I want to challenge us to do is not to ignore what the Word of God says. So many people ignore the Word of God. You know what's great about this moment that we are in? People are turning their face to the Word of God. You, you, you may be watching today, and, and this has caused you to turn your face to, to, to the Lord. I praise the Lord for that. Do you realize that that's an act of grace in your life, that God is saying, I love you, and I want to show grace to you by helping you see that I'm drawing you, I'm reaching out to you. And so let us, let us help you. That's why we're in your life. That's why you're watching today us. I mean, every pastor on the planet in the United States is online today. But God has drawn you to us. So let us connect with you. Let us help you. And, you know, let's hear that warning. Don't pretend to serve the Lord. Oh, look, life's too short. And these days are too critical to, to fake it. And one of the things that I love about trials and difficult moments, it causes us to realize we can't fake it. This is such a good moment for us. Look back at verse 10. In this moment in the garden, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and caught out, cut off his right ear. There's a parenthesis. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Now the drama in the garden is, is one of the most amazing events in all of history. And, and I don't want us to miss point three today. Point three is, is, is striking to me today, and it's this, that the war for the souls of men is still a spiritual battle. You know what Peter did in this moment, he's, he pulls out his sword and he's like going to defend Jesus. He's going to fight for Jesus. And he's going to, I mean, I think of the boldness of Peter that these swords with, with, with these men with weapons, these, these uh, trained assassins. And Peter pulls out his sword, a fisherman, and he swings. And I don't know if he was a, a really good shot and thought, I'm going to just get Malchus's ear. I'm going to get that dude's ear. Or if he's such an unathletic fisherman that he missed his whole head. I don't know. I don't know, but I know it's a bad day for Malchus. But, but when, I, when I think about this, I don't want to miss the spiritual battle. You know, several years ago, we went to the garden of Gethsemane. We, we had an hour uh, that the garden, the section of the garden of Gethsemane was available to us. And, and, and you know, we had this prayer time. And, and I've got a couple of pictures I want to show you about the garden. And, and you have these, these, this, this tree, this, this massive tree that was there. They said that that was there when Jesus, it, it's, it's as old as Jesus, 2,000 years old. And, and we were just so blown away. And we had this prayer time in the garden. And, and as I was thinking about the garden, I said to, to our group, I, I was like, look, look, remember, this is the moment that the disciples, they, they couldn't even pray for an hour. And by the time we had walked around the garden, we had 30 minutes left. And I said, do you think we could pray for 30 minutes? And our group, we, we just split up and we started praying. 
And I was by myself in the Garden of Gethsemane just thinking about the the spiritual battle that was going on in in this moment as Jesus is sweating drops of blood. And and then you know what happened? I I couldn't believe it. I'm sitting there and and right across the street was was the Dome of the Rock. And in that moment, the Muslim call to prayer just started just echoing all over the city of Jerusalem. And as I was trying to pray, I'm, 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 re- I'm trying to navigate all these sounds of the Muslim call to prayer. And it dawned on me, man, Lord, the battle, the spiritual battle is still raging on this ground. And it, and it was striking to me. And I think about this moment with the disciples in John 18 and how, how, how Peter like, went to attack these soldiers and, 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 he, and he had this moment that, that, that Jesus says, Peter, put your sword up. Look, this is not a physical battle. And he, and he, and he treated, I look at, at, at Peter, he's wanting to declare war on the Romans. And Jesus saying to Peter, they're, they're not the enemy, Peter. There's a more ruthless enemy. There's a more devastating enemy than the Romans. Peter, the enemy is Satan, sin, and death. Put your sword up. And then what does Jesus do in that moment? We know from the Gospels he picks up, he touches Malchus's head. I can just see him right there in that moment. Malchus, come here. He reaches over, touches Malchus's head, and heals him instantaneously. And, and, oh my goodness, Peter didn't need to protect Jesus physically. I mean, we know about Jesus. He could have called 10,000 angels. Can you imagine what those guys look like? Uh, those angels look like as Jesus is being arrested, as they line up in formation, ready to bring some heat? I mean, you think of, of what an angel would do to those Roman soldiers? You think of the, the, the thunder they would have brought? Oh, my goodness. But Jesus didn't call them. He embraced the cross. He embraced the will of God. And and in this moment, he looked at these soldiers. He looked at Malchus. And he looked at them not as as an enemy, as an opposer, as somebody that is coming to, to defy him. He looks at them as sheep without a shepherd, as the men that he came to save. And so in this act of grace, what does he do? He touches Malchus's ear. He heals him. And, and, and you know what I, what I believe? I, I, th- I think Malchus is in heaven right now. I think he's a believer. I think the only reason we know his name is after this moment, it changed his life. And, and now we know about Malchus. Because I can see him going to the disciples going, he healed me. He healed me the moment I went to arrest him. And you know, he looked, Jesus' grace, the grace and the mercy of God is undeserved and so incredible and so um, something we can't miss. And I don't want you to miss. Don't miss it. You know, we recognize that uh, what, what Paul wrote for us, what God, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write, that Ephesians 6, 12, that our, we wrestle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
So you know what I think we need to do right now? We've got to fight the right enemy. Folks, look, there's an enemy in the world. It's not a coronavirus. It's not China. It's not man. There's a spiritual battle that is raging for the souls of men. And it's still raging. And we're, as believers, called to run to that battle, run into that battle, to fight this battle. And, and, I, and I keep wrestling with this truth that, that God has called us to these days. God has called us to serve him at this time in the history of the world. And oh, I want to serve him well, don't you? We must serve him well. We must serve him with faithfulness and strength and endurance. And yeah, we're going to have to adjust to difficult circumstances. This is not a surprise. I mean, difficult times, trying times, that's not a surprise for us. Come on. We're to be faithful. We're to trust the Lord in times of plenty and in times of scarcity. So let's do that. Let's fight the right enemy. Let's use the right weapons, right? We need to use the right weapons. Ephesians 6 tells us about those weapons. You ought to talk about these weapons when this service is over. You ought to spend some time looking at Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 17, and flesh that out in your families around your tables, talking about these weapons that we're to use. You know, that, that belt of truth that we have, that, that, that breastplate of righteousness, that our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel, that shield of faith that, that Paul says extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Oh my goodness, all the arrows of the evil one. That helmet of salvation and that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Oh my goodness, let's, let's, let's use the right weapons. And, and you know what else we need to do? And you know what I'm expecting today? Is I'm expecting God to transform lives. You know, Jesus can change your life. He can give you hope when you're hopeless. He can do this. I mean, Malchus is, is this example in Scripture where, where his life was changed instantaneously. And Jesus can do that for you. And I don't want you to miss him. I don't want you to, 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 I don't want you to miss the fact that these opposers, these guards, these soldiers, these high priests, these, these people that came to arrest Jesus, what did he do? He showed them grace by willingly going to the cross. And he did this for you, for me. I wonder, I wonder if you trusted Christ as your Savior. Have you done that? You know, we're here to help you with that. Right now, you could connect with somebody that's online. You could fill out that, that prayer form that we have. We'll put it up. You can fill that out. And you can, we'll connect with you this week. Look, we can connect with you still. Even though we have to socially distance, we can connect with you. Let us recognize that God has put us in your life. You could call the number that's on the screen right now and you could, we'll, we'll answer it. Look, we're here for you. You know, I, I, our president told us this week, I heard it yesterday, that that the next two weeks are going to be devastating in our country. I saw just on a news tick today 
that um, last night New York City had the, the, the most deaths ever in, with this coronavirus. It was last night, yesterday. And, um, you know, um, it reminded me of something C.S. Lewis said as he served the Lord during World War II. And, and he talked about that, that, that war, he made this statement, war does not increase death. War does not make death increase. Death is certain and total in every generation. And I think we need to remember that the coronavirus does not increase death in our world. The Bible tells us that it's appointed for a man once to die. And after that comes judgment. And do you know that that revelation, that truth that we understand is this beautiful act of grace and mercy that God sees you and he sees me. And it's my prayer today that you see Jesus and you recognize that even in this moment, even with these barriers that we are facing, that he loves you and he's calling you. And he has put us, God in his sovereignty, has put us in your life. Even if you don't live around us and you're watching from somewhere far away, we'll help you. We will help you. It's my prayer that some of you, you may be here today and you're like, you know what, I need to be baptized. You know, you could fill that prayer request out and and say, hey, would you contact me about baptism? Look, baptism is this moment that we tell the world that Jesus is our Savior. Have you done that? Oh, why would you not? You could schedule that. And the week we get back together, we could baptize you. Are you, are you going to heaven? Would you see Jesus? Would you allow us to connect with you right now? Dear Lord Jesus, I ask that your Holy Spirit move powerfully in our lives. I pray that you would move in the heart of someone listening right now. They would have the boldness to fill that prayer request out or call that number or connect with somebody online. Lord, would you speak right now? Lead us. Lord, thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.